0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Headset Podcast, where we interview some of the most elite athletes, coaches, and executives in sports today. During our interviews, we get the opportunity to get a behind-the-scenes look at the lives of these incredible individuals, but most importantly, we get a chance to learn how they get their headset to perform. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Headset Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jason Galea, and I got to tell you, I have an incredible guest on today's pod. This person represents San Diego's newest professional athletic team, the San Diego Loyal, and she also brings to us some incredible background in the world of soccer at both the professional level as well as the Division One and Division Three levels. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about the one and only Carrie Taylor. Carrie Taylor is the assistant coach to the San Diego Loyal. She'll be coaching this year alongside of the one and only legend of US soccer, Landon Donovan. Like, you can't get much better than that, right? Well, let me tell you a little bit about what you're about to experience. This humble human being, is an initiative taker she is a groundbreaker and she is someone that has chosen to follow her passions in life she was one of the founding members of the university of michigan women's division 1 soccer program and in f- helping get that program off the ground she actually decided that she would re- returned back to her old alma mater for her fifth year of schooling just so that she could play and it was then that she realized you know what I don't know if I really want to become a doctor so I'm sure to her parents chagrin they were not too excited about that but if they could only see where their daughter would end up to be today I can't believe they'd be anything less than extremely proud today's conversation Carrie shares with us a lot of her insights as a coach what she's gone through coaching and professional men's soccer she talks to us about all of the things that she's experienced as an athlete and how her coaching career has taken her from her humble upbringings in Flint Michigan where her and I have actually a little bit of a commonality um, but you'll hear about that I'm sure in the pod And she tells us about how her career as a coach, as a player, went from the University of Michigan as a player to all the way across North America to end up being an extremely elite level coach in a program in Vancouver, Canada, where she was working alongside the people who were running the professional MLS Vancouver Whitecaps program. So... This woman has done it all. She's been across the entire country coaching from Division I soccer to now professional men's. And she's done it with class and style and a lot of guts. And I can't say how much fun I enjoyed speaking with her and getting to know her. And what a wealth of knowledge and what an incredible personality. I hope you enjoy, as much as I enjoyed my conversation with her, the one and only Carrie Taylor Taylor from the San Diego Loyal. All right. So, so I want to say thank you to all of our people who might be listening to us and watching us today on our headset podcast, where we try to bring you the best of the best that's out there. And today we have an incredible person here who is, um, I think in many ways, shattering the ceiling and she is the assistant coach of the san diego loyal miss carrie taylor i am rocking our, our alum attire here just so you know so anyone who's out there go blue nation rocking it in every way i possibly can and i'm paying homage to a great sponsor that helps out our san diego loyal so Without Actually. any further ado, Carrie, thank you for being here and spending time with me. And and I hope you're okay with all the crazy stuff in the world. Is Are you and your family okay with COVID?
1: Yeah, yeah. Jason, first of all, thanks for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, we are, my family's great and, you know, checked in on my parents and all that. Um, we're just trying to figure out you know, keep, keep the guys active at home um, on their own and just keep our fingers crossed that positive things will, um, you know, come out of this strange situation that we're in, but our, all of our spirits are up and everything's, you know, doing well. We're, we're making the best of it.
0: So I guess just to jump into it, um, you're working with professional athletes right now and, and a lot of people would oddly think that pros would be able to just take care of things on their own. Um, pros would be able to navigate through a down period, but we're hearing that's not always the case. And I, I guess maybe my, my question for you um, is plain and simple. What's some of the challenges that you're having to deal with during this downtime of the season? Cause you guys were a two and oh, correct? Like you guys just started
1: uh, well, we we had a win and a tie, so we but tie. we are in first place in the West, so we will not claim that for a while.
2: Perfect.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think I think the challenge is that you know um, seasons are on a cycle, and you finish one season, and you have a small off season, and then you're gearing up for preseason. And, and you know, as professional players and coaches and everything. Or college athletes, they get used to what that cycle is, and then when there's change, it's it's hard to, you know, go okay. Well, what does that mean? Or what do I need to do to, you know, stay positive? So it's been, you know, obviously a challenge for all sports. Um, and you know, we're just doing as other teams are. You know, providing Zoom meetings and individual workouts and things like that and and just trying to take it one day at a time um, with the hope of, you know, we all hope that we can get our 2020 season in and, um, you know, just take each day as it comes and and try to just do what we would and and keep our own spirits up and the players' spirits up as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's got to be challenging because, you know, some of the athletes that, that I've spoken with over the past little while, uh, they're very date, date oriented. And, and what mm-hmm. I mean by that is uh, <laughs> not the, just the
1: players, because like some of us coaches are very date and schedule oriented. Well.
0: Right. Right. This is, so, I'm so happy. You're, you're, you're you're, uh, you're, you're hitting it out of the park because um, you know, one of the, one of the guys that I, I spoke with about two weeks ago, he's a professional cyclist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And w- what happens in his world is the guys get told ahead of time, almost like as if they're a fighter, you're, mm-hmm. you're going on this date right yeah. Like this date you're, you're gonna be you're going to Italy or you're going to to China and you're you're gonna be racing a five-day race and blah 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 so the guys can almost ramp up to that date right oh yeah and and now they don't have that right so for, for you it's a little bit of a different scenario and, and I guess are you feeling or noticing that guys are, are in the same kind of scenario they're looking at date specific or just season specific and that just affects them like now what do i do kind of thing like how how does it work for a team guy
1: Yeah well i think with with you know with any sport I, it, we we train at the Chula Vista Elite Athlete Training Facility and you know we're around track and field athletes we're around Olympians and so you know it's it's almost every athlete is very calendar and and goal based because they have their certain targets and it's you know all of their training is based on building up to those targets. So, you know, with our team, um, our, our assistant, Nate Miller has like, he's done this whole periodization process and our, all of our training and all of our loads and everything is built on, you know, when our games are, when our open cup games are going to be. And so basically it's like readjusting all of that. And, you know, for all of the athletes, whether it's, you know, the track and field athletes that were training for the Olympics, like no one knows when this is going to, you know, start up again. So we don't have a target date. And like for myself, like I'm very calendar and task oriented and, you know, it's everybody's adjusting to change and, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing, but again, we just try to stay as positive as we can and, you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat and, you know, there was some good news out of Germany. I guess some, of, some of the teams over there are going to start going back to training very soon. So mm-hmm. the hope is we can get through this and, um, you know, get back on the field and all athletes can hopefully get back to, um, you know, what they're familiar with and what they love to do and where their passion's at, which is training and playing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's got, it's gotta be so challenging for you right now because um I, it used to be that back in the day a coach could just treat all of the athletes the same right and then this is all what we're doing and, and how it's going and and for many years now we've been hearing the complete opposite where it's so important to know each athlete individually
2: all right
0: and, and i guess maybe the question would be in in your situation what are some of the challenges for you in having to kind of keep everybody moving like, are you having to deal with with each person one-on-one or how does it work for you? What are the challenges for you right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point um, in that, you know, getting to know the athletes, um, getting to know what motivates them. Um, you know, some are, some are older and, you know, have it can adjust to change better than some of the younger players or, you know, we have some players that are from outside of the U.S., so like that brings a whole different um, scenario just in our daily um, existence as well. So it's you know, any any coach is is going to hopefully try to get to know their athletes as people um, and create those connections there, whether we had this coronavirus or not. Like you know, that was something that that we try to do and and um, get to know our athletes. Um, we we Started. Well, we didn't start, but um, again, our assistant coach Nate Miller recommended um, something that we've been doing with our team on Tuesdays, which has been really cool. It's uh, "Tell Us About Yourself" Tuesday. So during that. our season on it's Tuesdays, a different person like they tell us about themselves. So we've had the players have created like PowerPoints about themselves with baby <laughs> pictures and you know things that that are important to them, and those those are those have been really um, good things to share within the team and you know the, the players that kind of allow us in to let them know what ticks a little better and what's important to them so those are some things that we've done um, in the short term that I think are helpful in getting to know um, the individuals as well. So. Tell us
0: a little bit about the team like, like are you you have guys from all around the world all around the country, how does it work? What's the demographic that you split up with, with, with the guys that you have this year?
1: Um, I think it, I think we have players from thirteen different countries. Whoa! Um, so we're we're de- definitely, um, you know, Landon's done a phenomenal job um, of being creating, you know, an awesome pool of players and and signing all of these guys. And you know, the focus was bringing in good people and good players. And so it's, it's really been fun to, um, to help grow the team from scratch. And so the, you know, the different, we have guys that, a couple guys that don't speak English. And so they're learning English and, you know, they're on Duolingo or getting English and French lesson or, you know, lessons from a French tutor and English French to English tutor, sorry. and, And Spanish to English tutor. So it's, it's awesome to see people from different backgrounds just connect, you know, through soccer and sport.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't even have an ounce of, of soccer experience compared to you. And and for, for people who don't know why I'm dressed in the maize and blue here, is not only am I, am I a big fan and I'm a loyal supporter, but uh, the the amazing person that we have on today was one of the founding members. And on the very first... University of Michigan women's soccer team. Uh, so, so thanks to you and your efforts and your teammates' efforts way back when. Um, that's why the blue and maize uh,
2: yeah.
0: have an actual D1 women's program. So, like credit to you. You're a you're a founding, I guess a founding mother. Being, not a founding being father. part yeah. of it.
1: Being <laughs> part of it. It wasn't definitely was not all me being part of it. Well, um,
0: it's interesting because you're a creator, right? And, and what I, I'm hearing you, you talk about it is, for those, again, who don't know, um, the other gentleman that you work with who is, is spearheading the project over there is Mr. Landon Donovan, probably the most prolific uh, player that the United States has ever developed. And, and anyone who doesn't know him <laughs> probably doesn't know about soccer. But um, I, I'm thinking to myself, 13 different countries combined together one of the things that's so unique about your, your sport is from, from country to country, there's a style, there's a philosophy, there's a, a way of playing. Right? Right. Um, what's that been like having to mesh that into a system in your, in your end? Cause I, I gotta believe that's a bit of a, a coaching challenge as well to not only manipulate all the tools you have, but also getting them to buy in. So what's what's that been like in a head Yeah, Yeah,
1: um, there's a couple different levels to it. So I think the, the first thing, um, and you mentioned again, like working alongside Landon and, and Nate and all the staff is, is tremendous. And, um, you know, you, you can't argue with Landon's accomplishments as a player. And, and he's been where none of us have been before. And so he's he's brought in, Um, you know, his ideas on, on how he wants to build this team. And I think the, the unique thing is, is that, you know, we get to build it from the very foundation. So like our, the, the multicultural aspect we can bring that in and we can, we can almost create our, a a style that kind of doesn't exist. Just just, just because we have the players that we have and, and we have, you know, the kind of blueprint. I can't, we can't share our tactics and what we're doing too much, but, but, but yeah, I mean, we, our hope is we only got two games in, but our hope is to, you know, play a very attack minded um, game, but also with very, very, you know, we wanna work hard and everyone says work hard, work hard, but it's like on attack and defense. Like we, it sounds a little bit cliche, but we all wanna be involved. We want all the players to be involved in the attack and thinking like, where do I need to be even if I'm not involved? And then also, you know, hey, we lose the ball. We're all, we're all hunting it down. We're all battling to get it back. And so, you know, that again, that starts with creating relationships with the players, getting building trust, getting everyone to buy into the whole, you know, boat rowing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it's hard to argue with, you know, a coach that scored in world cups, you know, it's right, like right. It, there, there are pieces that, that landing can add in that no one else can, you know? And, and so it's, it's a lot of fun. The guys are fantastic. Um, they're just they're a joy to be around um and we and like we wanted to bring in the right guys and that's that's beyond their their soccer playing ability we wanted people to wanted to be in san diego who knew we were building who knew it was going to be tough who knew that you know like a lot of pressure and eyes were going to be on us because of who our head coach is and so you know we're thrilled with the team that we have and we can't wait to get back out on the field
0: yeah, yeah. You know, you bring up so many amazing points that that fit into everything that we talk about um, with with the headset podcast. And and it's it's you're thinking about the head here. And and one of the things that I see reoccurring all the time in, in, in almost every sport is something that you mentioned a few seconds ago is is um, that headspace of knowing what to do and being aware when you don't have the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. Being, being, being a, a hockey guy growing up, one of the things that I've noticed over the years of running a program and working with young kids myself um, of, of all ages is, is being able to teach that mindset of what to do when you don't have the puck. When you, mm-hmm. right, Everyone knows what to do to some extreme uh, scenario of what to do when they do have the ball or they do have the puck. Right? What do you do when you don't have it? So not, right. it, it would be interesting to see you guys in full effect because um, you got people that speak different languages, right? And how yeah. do you do that, right?
1: So th- they're, they're learning good. basic soccer words. <laughs> right. right,
0: right, right. Um, you know, I had a really interesting experience not too long ago in, in working with the San Diego Legion. Uh, mm. They, too, have guys from all over the world. I don't know if it's 13 countries, but I do know we had guys from Ireland, South Africa, Fiji. Uh, we had a couple of Kiwis. And, and it, it's, it was funny and, and, and cute at the same time when you're dealing with these incredible cultures where the guys are these monstrous athletes, but they have mm-hmm. the softest personalities and, mm-hmm. and everything. Yes. So how are you doing? Ah, yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and did you have a good game today? Yes. Did you get involved? Yes. Yes. Are you hungry? Yes. Yes. Right. Everything is yes, right? Yeah. And, and you know, tell me more about the game. Tell me more about how you feel. Yes.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So
0: I'm I'm sure communication is a bit of an issue with you guys as well.
1: Yeah. No, it is. And I mean the one the a lot of our veteran players on the team have taken um, the younger not only the younger guys under their wings, um, not only the guys that are from other countries, but just really um, try to in, embrace and and bring everybody along um, instead of yes. Our word our word is good. Good everything good. It's good. I, I, love, so, it. I love it. It's, it's not yes. It's good. I and love it, it. You know, but I, it's to me it speaks volumes to you know athletes of any sport that are willing to leave their home country yeah for the passion of the game whatever game it is whether it's rugby whether it's soccer um you know leave their country and just be courageous and and move to a place where they don't know the language they're they're willing to take a risk because they love their sport so much and so like um our two players that don't speak english yair and beverly like i have the utmost respect for both of them just because they're so courageous and and we have a couple other players um You know, Ashley and Jerome, who are also from from lands far away and they know English, but they're still, you know, they're still learning. And so to to just be willing to risk and and take that that challenge, um, you know, I have the utmost respect for for all of our players, but specifically in those um, in those in that situation for them.
0: You know, kudos to you for bringing that up. You know, um, I can share just, just a small tidbit of my life with you in that um, a few years ago, I had a chance to visit Europe for the first time in my life with, with family. And we went and we visited uh, the motherland. We visited uh, the two old countries that comprise my family, and that's, mm-hmm. that's Italy and Malta. And I, I remember getting off the plane in Rome, and, and seeing all the signs and like, I mean, my Italian was as far as like two summers of uh, Sunday school, of Italian class, right? And I sat there thinking, oh my God, like how would I have to communicate? Right. get from point A to point B, right? And, and, and some athletes are very lucky in that, you know, there's gonna be someone at the airport with a little sign that says we're here for you and whatever. Right. But, but what if you didn't have that? And, and when you get over there and you start talking to people, because thank God, you know, English is the universal language for now, um, right. that that people will explain to you, you know, do you have any clue of how difficult it is to learn English? Because there's a million ways yeah. to say everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, English has, like, no rules of anything. <laughs>
0: right, like, anything goes, right? Yeah. Mention all the yeah. slang words that we create every other year, like, I'm, I'm totally blown away with, like, every other year, there's a new word added to like the, mm-hmm. like what was the yeah. one that blew me away? I think one that blew me away a few years ago was y'all. Hmm. Y'all is
1: oh, that's it's now actually
0: a... a word, right?
1: Right? Okay.
0: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it wins you a couple bucks on on Trivial Pursuit. Did you know? Yes, it is true. Right. Um, so so I find that really interesting. But but you know another thing that you bring up even at the professional level, it blows my mind how how when you're working with pros, we seem to always come back at every level of development. Um, And and, and we'll talk more about this when it comes to kids and and some of your coaching experience. Um, It always seems to come back to that saying of where did you play?
1: Where where do you what?
0: Where did you play? Oh yeah. When you're getting buy-in, right? In order to get that buy-in at the fullest degree, it seems to me almost at every level and I, I experienced it working with high school kids, middle school kids, um, even parents and whatnot who put their kids in school in, into sports that you have to self-explain yourself, you know, where did you play? So yeah. having five, 10, 20 years of experience, not enough, right? It comes back to that. Where did you play?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And,
0: and, I, and I wonder is, has that been part of the, the successes you have had to have or you've had with Landon being there, that, that we don't even need to discuss that. It's 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 automatic buy-in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- that's a good question. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I've experienced that in past situations. I really haven't, I haven't experienced that with this situation. I think part of it, obviously, is um, you know, if Landon has hired his staff, then he's deemed that we're good enough, and we we know enough. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I, I have had to earn the fellow's respect, and I, I have done that. Um, I think in other situations, personally, like, I've, you know, walked into instructing a coaching course, and I've had people go, oh, are you the admin? And I'm like, no, I'm your instructor. And so, you know, it, I think it, it's based a little bit on the environment, and also who who is there, like what the, what the team is, or what the, um, what the actual participants, who the participants are and what their mindset is and and their um, experience. I was going to say beliefs, but beliefs is a wrong word. Their experiences are, um, you know, if they're, you know, for instance, if people aren't used to seeing a female soccer coach at, at whatever level, then they're gonna have this certain set of like unconscious bias um, and and so forth but you know I think that a lot of times in our society we get caught up on the accolades we get caught up on you know oh did you play division one or did you play division three right. like that honestly yeah. there are some better division three programs and there are division one programs in certain sports and things so we I, I think that's a part of our culture is we're, we're very tied to um, the level of degree you have, or the level of license you have, of where you played, and, and, you know, I don't know that it, there's not a right or wrong, it's just part, it's kind of part of our culture, so we just have to kind of, I guess, go, yeah, okay, you know, here I am, I'm your coach, whatever that is, you know, and, and here you go, and this is what we're going to do, and trying to get buy in through your knowledge not your accolades i guess
0: yeah it, it, you bring up a really interesting point because there's so much that i want to ask you um you know i want to talk a little bit about some of your, your coaching experiences and, and you've coached internationally as well north of the border i know that for a fact um but but i guess in staying with the, with the point right now you know we saw a big change just last year a big move that that i think helped again break the ceiling for for uh ladies and women getting into professional sports that you know we saw the the first sideline assistant coach with the san francisco 49ers you know uh, Mm -hmm. hours that's huge and she's getting on out there and then she plays a real pivotal role in in, in that team i'm wondering in your culture right i i know for a lot of people i'm sure i'm saying this um from not just a layman's perspective but that's a huge move in football with that culture being the way it is but Mm -hmm. in your sport of soccer what's it been like for you to to graduate on up to the the pros as a as a lady in a men's side of pro sport what's that been like for you
1: um i well i think that uh coaching in american football would be a hell of a lot harder because women don't play necessarily pro football at that level, whereas you know within soccer it's the same game and the rules are the same and the field's the same size and you know we have college programs that are, are very good for women. Um you know there are plenty of women that that could be in my role. I think it's more about the um creation of opportunities for that. And so you know I right now i want to be seen as a coach i don't necessarily want to be seen as a female coach but i also understand that this is a unique situation so you know i want to be evaluated on my coaching on my abilities not on my gender and that's something that you know landon is phenomenal like he's just a great human and a very collaborative leader and we have a good trust with one another and he respects my opinion i respect his opinion so like I know he didn't hire me as a token female. He hired me because he knows I can do a job. Um, my biggest hope is that other coaches and other people who are in situations to hire female coach or coaches who happen to be female start to look at female applicants and what and choose choose the best person for your situation. Yeah. You know, I I'm not. I'm not a person that's like, we need to have a quota. We need to hire women just because they're women. Like, I don't believe in that at all Um, because that doesn't do women any good. Like it's, we, we want to earn our roles. We want to show that we have knowledge to give. So my biggest hope is that if Landon's willing to open up and interview and look at people that are of different genders, that other people out there, other head coaches are willing to do the same and that, you know, that the floodgates kind of start to open and that I'm not just one of one. I'm yeah. you know, one of many, because again, there are plenty of very qualified female coaches out there who could be in this role.
0: You know, I, I, I gotta tell you, that the more I listen to you, you speak, the, the more I'm, I'm so impressed with you. And I want to give you like long distance hug because Thank you. you You truly are a consummate pro. And, I, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, I, it's my experience that, that some of the best of the best in whatever sport they're playing, and, I, and it's not just sports, it's, it's business, it's, it's life. The best of the best seem to be very humble in in I know you and I haven't had many conversations but we've had a few and every time that we we do speak and I listen to you share insight and your feelings you're you're so humble <laughs> and it, it's 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 like you're a light and I feel like I'm a moth attracted to it because that that kind of humbleness is is truly what what great athletes great leaders great people are all about um it, it's not all about walking into your your first practice and having to don all the medals you you've won trophies you've won um you know one of my my former teammates in in another life used to say um you know that the toughest guys don't need to tell people that they're tough and and he was so right you know looking back in the day like he he did not need to announce that i'm the toughest guy in the room right now you just kind of went on with your business and you knew that and 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 i i kind of feel the same for you right you're working with some of the best athletes in this sport, in this country, and having someone like Landon say, hey, I believe in you, go on out there and do the do, and now that you're doing it, you just can to rise, because I, I believe that you're going to rise even higher than you realize because of that humbleness, and that humbleness is going to allow people to kind of gravitate to you. When they gravitate to you, they're going to see and feel and learn all the knowledge that you have. So Ah, amen, well, That's sister.
1: very kind of you. Thank you. Oh, no. Very sweet.
0: Amen, amen sister. Amen. Um, you know, um, I, I guess I say this to share something with you that you wouldn't know because it just hasn't come up in other conversations, is that um, much of my life uh, as a kid, I was surrounded by women. And I was raised mm-hmm. by them. And it wasn't until um, in my early teens did I have uh, a male role model come into my life.
1: Besides...
0: Mm-hmm the sport coaches that I had or the teachers. Right. That I had. So I grew up with, you know, a woman who who not only is going to help you with your homework and make dinner, but, you know, if we had a leak in the roof, she was fixing the tile up outside and if right. we had a leak underneath the sink. She did that too. And if there was a little tink, tink in the car, she had no problems raising the hood and poking around. And if we got a flat tire near the house, well, this is how you change a flat tire. Right. So
1: there
0: right. was a good part of my life where where, you know, I remember hearing about the women's lib kind of era, and I didn't know what the hell that meant. <laughs> like right. everyone's mom should be able to fix a tire and make good possible, <laughs> <laughs> <Yours, Yeah>. right? <laughs> yeah. you know, right? And 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 it's it's so funny, right? Being around some of you know the traditional kids that I grew up with who 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 came from you know heavy, strong rooted ethnic families. Um, you know, when they be talking about things that need to be done around the house, I had no problem saying, oh yeah, my mom does that. <laughs> right. You having a problem with the faucet? Yeah, I should tell my mom to come over and she'll tell you what she did, right? And like, oh. Yeah. And I and kind of bring this story up because I know that that over here in, in, in North America, Canada, U.S., uh, we're becoming more progressive the way that we're thinking. Mm-hmm. And I guess the question that I have is, is, what's your sport like as a whole across the world? Do, do you think that, We're going to see more people um, hire women in the men sports. Do you think that they're ready for it in other parts of the world? What's your opinion on that? Especially with the European guys coming over to play for you.
1: Yeah. So um, it's a good question. I think that it, it's coming. And I I believe the the reason it's coming is I look back to um, like, When I was in college, like, when I went into Michigan, we were a club sport, and you had talked about it earlier, like, um, being a part of the change there. So soccer for women is only – it's not that old. Like, the big kaboom of even college women's soccer programs are, you know, still – 30 years and under other than like North Carolina and your Colorado college and Wisconsin's and things like that. When I went into Michigan in 1990 dating myself here up until 1993, there were two big 10 women's programs, um, Wisconsin and Michigan state. Those were the only big 10 programs that had college soccer up until 1993. And then couple more schools when I think Illinois um, maybe Ohio State and then in 94 when Michigan went varsity we had our first ever Big Ten Women's Championship so that's only 25 years ago 26 years ago so you know that's still in my lifetime so that generation of women people you know of my age and probably five years older and then the all now we have all these female players and female athletes who have you know come behind us who are younger who are now growing wanting to be coaches wanting to be general managers wanting to get involved in sport in whatever facet and it's only going to grow so the change the change has been coming for a long time but you have to look at it we're behind like women being in sport we're behind the men just not physically behind that but the timing of it there's a time lag just like you know people say why isn't the u.s men's national team as good as england well the english like they've been playing longer so like the time lag is finally going to get to the tipping point where there's going to be a lot more women there's going to be a lot more minorities involved in soccer um and so that's that's exciting so in 10 years from now like the numbers are gonna really have grown so um I see it happening. It's, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for being a part of, uh, you know, helping make change along with a bazillion other women who, you know, have been in the trenches and done the dirty work and um, just, you know, been successful and, with making change. So yeah. I see it coming in larger numbers, but it's, it's more of a time. There's a little bit of a time lag.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. Like hearing you speak, um, it, it really echoes in my mind um, some of the things that my cousin shared with me. My cousin Laura um, was a soccer star in our family, and and uh, she represented Canada several times in, in different. Mm-hmm. And she also coached. I think I shared with you division one soccer at, at two of the biggest schools in, in, in Canada. Uh, one of which is uh, the school that she played at, the uh, University of Toronto, and she's very mm-hmm. very very successful player. And um, I wouldn't even have a clue of how many scholarship offers she had back in the day. And to hear her talk, it, it, it's, it's incredible because she too referred to how wow, women's soccer is still in its infancy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and and it's hard to imagine that with, with seeing, you know, the dominance of the women's U S national program. Like th- those women are just incredible athletes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. One of the things that I think really, really sucks um, for soccer as a whole in, in North America is the TV coverage. And, mm-hmm. and, and what I mean by that is, is this, is um, I remember growing up and having some family members that they weren't really big into soccer. And they would watch it and they would watch the game and, and they would say, um, you know, it, it's boring or whatever, right? And, and what I'm referring to is, the average human being who maybe not has not played soccer at, at a half decent level has no freaking clue the amount of skill that is needed to play yeah. that game. Because the yeah. aerial view that you have from above watching the game, and it makes sense the way they do what they do, right. You can't see a ball skid. You have no clue how fast that thing's coming at you. You have no idea the spin, the velocity, what it sounds like, the food, when it hits a person's leg, chest, thigh. You have no clue. Yeah, you're looking down in like this video game perspective, you think the ball is just simply rolling around, right? Every now and then you can tell there's a banana of some sort, but you have truly no clue the, the velocity and, and the skill also needed to control the velocity of that ball coming at you. But the other thing too is, is the average person, and, and I, I don't want to compare it to, to basketball because I think basketball does a better job with the video and, and, and the film footage that they provide, but the average person has no clue how physical the mm-hmm. soccer game is. They, they, yeah. they have no clue whatsoever. They think it's just a bunch of people running around in shorts and, and T-shirts. And and, yeah. and that's where I think the game loses some of the respect that it rightfully deserves. It's because the average person watching doesn't have a clue of
2: yeah.
0: how fast things are going. Like, even when you're watching something like NASCAR, right? Like Like, look at NASCAR, yeah. right? We're turning laps, right? Yeah. Like, for three hours, you could like go to the bathroom, come back. And I'm sure there's yeah. some things that happen, right? But what they do, at least, that I think is brilliant on their part, is they're going to show you the speedometer. He's going on yeah. at miles an hour. Or they take you inside. Technically, it's the cockpit. I refer to it as with what those guys are having to go through to control that vehicle and everything. Right. Monitored. But you see the vibration, you see how close that other guy is coming to you and, and you get a, lot, Whoa, there's a lot of skill involved here. Right. I think soccer, in my opinion, does a really crappy job at showing uh, yeah. the amount of skill and talent that, that these players need to have to be able to do what they do you know, and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: yeah. I mean, I don't, goals. I don't know how you, I don't know how you change that with camera angles or anything. Cause that's not my, that's not my wheelhouse, but yeah, I mean, a uh, the, uh, the soccer athlete is, you know, there's not a lot of set. There, there are set plays on dead balls, but like, there's a lot of, there's so much decision-making there's so much skill that's involved. Um, it is very physical Um I think the, and I think we're, again, we're getting to the time that people of my age have kids that are now playing soccer. And so we have this group of like parents who have played, so I don't have kids, but there's a group of parents who have grown up playing soccer and now they're taking their kids to soccer games. So again, like it's going to be more ingrained in, in our culture. And I, I think that the one great thing that soccer does is it unites people from all socioeconomic levels from all religions races all of that and when you come to a soccer stadium it it's a vibrant atmosphere you know we had our home opener uh, at Torero Stadium and it was packed people had flags they were singing they had smoke it was so amazing and like if you go to you know The Portland Timbers, the Timber Army stands up and and chants the whole game. And so like they're it's an experience, it's entertainment, it's for some people, it's like their life and death. Like they support their team no matter what. Like I am with Michigan, like I will always support Michigan and the, the crazy, you know, singing the fight song is is just part of who you are. And you know, you know, you have that connection. So I think soccer is a sport that you can really connect to from a grassroots level. And, and that's what, you know, that's what our our staff at SD Loyal has done a really good job of being out in the community and connecting and asking people what they want and what they want to see at games. And, you know, it's our job on the technical side to actually put a good product on the field with great human beings who happen to also be good at soccer um, and, and ingrain it within the community so that, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when those of us that started this are retired, that it still lasts and that, you know, it's still part of the community and, and soccer. I mean, I'm obviously biased, but I grew up playing all sports, but, um, but soccer is truly, truly, truly that universal sport. I have traveled a ton of places and, you know, I've been to Africa twice and I could jump in a taxi in Africa and look and see a Manchester United sticker or a Chelsea football club sticker and immediately start talking with the taxi driver. Hey, you support Man U. And they're like, what, what, you know, you know, football. And, and so like, just no matter where you go, no matter what country you're in, you can say, Hey, you know, I coach soccer. Oh, you coach. Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I happen to work with Landon Donovan and people are like, Oh, I know Landon Donovan. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can break any barrier that way. I was in Tahiti on vacation and someone was like, what do you do? And I was like, I coach soccer and just got into this conversation and, and it just soccer breaks down barriers. And that's one of the things that, that I love about the game. That's so special about the game. And, you know, you, you don't need much to play. You need something that's round and a place to kick, kick it. It doesn't even have to be a ball. And, you know, that's, that's why it's the world's game and and it's part of why I really enjoy the sport.
0: It's it's amazing. I mean <laughs> USA USA soccer should be hiring you. I mean you could be the <laughs> spokesperson for them. It's so it's it's so true. I mean, you know, be, between what you talk in terms of, of an athlete's perspective, a coach's perspective, you could also be working for the United Way. I mean, you you're you're breaking down so many different barriers. It's 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 it's, it's stupid, but it also is something that I believe, can, can heal, right? And I don't, I don't want to get too mushy here and trying to keep it uh, guy guy friendly here, athlete-friendly, um, but it, it truly breaks down the barriers. And then this is what we're talking about, the power of sport, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like we, we may disagree on who to follow, but we agree on what to play. And it's, it's funny because some of the things that you mentioned, I, they're, they're part of my bucket list. Like, uh, I hope that one day I'll get a chance to go and catch a premier game in England. Just... To, and I, I know I'm going to miss the entire first half because I'm just going to be spending the whole time taking in the atmosphere of everything, right? Yeah. Um, I, I want to go see uh, a Serie A game, you know, which is the Division One, uh, best of the best in Italy because it's mm-hmm. all about the atmosphere, you know? Yep. The atmosphere of, of this sport for for people who have not had a chance to go and watch a game, it's it's incredible. It's electrifying. It's 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 something that grabs your heart and it grabs your your attention and it grabs your enthusiasm, whether you realize it or not. Right. Uh,
1: yeah. No, I, I, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm biased, but I've been to pro football games. I've been to, you know, Michigan football games. I've been to pro basketball, pro hockey, But you know, and soccer is, it's just a different crowd. It's a different animal all into itself and it's, yeah. It's just, it's amazing.
0: It's a different vibe. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a totally different vibe. And and uh, like you said, one of the things that's really cool for, for me is in working with different athletes, working with different teams, uh, on a weekly, monthly basis, whatever it may be, you get to hop into these different vibes,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Whether it's, it's meeting someone at the beach because they're a pro surfer and you're just part of that vibe or you're, you're working with the, the football player, and it's a completely different vibe. It's a literally a different planet.
2: <laughs>
0: but, yeah. but I, I wanna kind of spin things here now to, to have you share some of the experiences you've had um, going up and down the ladder, working from youth all the way to pro now. Um, what, do, what do you notice in, in the difference of athlete on the mindset of getting ready for a game? Do you know any similarities? notice any similarities with kids To today's pro?
1: Um, You know, similarities, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, each level is a bit different. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to coach from, you know, under eight to now professional um, players. And, you know, obviously, you're being you're being judged at each le- judged at each level you know at, at the youth level it's you know you're the the rival team across the you know neighborhood or across the league or your or your parents or you know you're being judged by your coach um at the high school or college level you know there's you, you obviously You know, want to win games and conference championships are on the the line at the NCAA level. You can go to the NCAA tournament and you know, like all of that at the pro level. You know, the players are being paid, so you're you're working for your livelihood there. So like that, that adds extra pressures. That adds, you know, external internal pressures. All of that. So, um, you know, I think the one thing that as players people the players also need to realize and understand that it still has to be fun no matter what level that you're at. Like, yes, it's a job. Yes, it's, you know, you're working for your scholarship. If you're on scholarship at the college level, you're always working for your spot. You're always there, but at the very core, it still needs to be fun. And, you know, I would venture to say at the youth level, sometimes if you ask a kid, are you having fun sometimes they might not answer yes because i i personally carrie taylor not assistant coach carrie taylor i personally feel that we're putting too much pressure on younger athletes and forgetting that like they're not pros at 10 11 12 13 14 you know like we meaning our society as a whole and so um You know, being a teenager is tough these days. Being a college student is tough these days. Being a young adult is tough these days. So, you know, soccer and sport should still be an outlet. It should still be fun. Yes, you want to work your best and be competitive and earn a starting spot and win and go on to championship levels. But at the very core, it's a sport. And you're, you should be doing it because you want to do it and because it's enjoyable, because it's your passion. Um,
0: it, it's still so. it's so funny what you say because, and, and, and I bring this up again and again. So if, if we have people that, that listen to this and, and, and you know, see us at some point in time on, on, on our podcast, they're going to be so sick of me because, um, and I apologize because I bring up the fun word. I bring up the fun word and the reason I bring up the fun word and I, and I make this point again and again and again is um, I believe that we have a lot of really, really good people out there that mean well when they step up and volunteer and get involved with youth sports, whether it's the manager, whether it's uh, the team coordinator, uh, the one who brings juice boxes or the one who's got the whistle and the whiteboard to coach. And and I think without those without those people, God bless. I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of kids who might not ever get a chance to play, you know, games and sports. But in saying that, you know, I've been involved for a little over ten years helping um, coach coaches so they can be certified to go and coach. Mm -hmm. And when I bring up the fun word, the F word, (laughs) yeah, bring up the F word, you get this look that comes across like. Do you know that we only have so much time to work with these kids? It's all about skill development, and we only have so much time. And we play Saturday, and we only have so many games. And it's like, oh my god, right? And and I almost feel like saying that saying we said a few minutes ago. Where did you play? Because. For the average person who gets on out there and has maybe never played soccer at a significant level or never known anyone who's played sport at a significant level, they're completely clueless to the fact that if they ever took a moment of time to go to a pro practice at any sport, that there's a good chunk of practice that's spent laughing and having fun.
1: Mm -hmm. We have a lot of fun at training. We have a lot of fun. I mean, we work our... The players work their asses off, pardon my French, but we have a lot of, we have a lot of fun and like, you don't want to be miserable doing a sport. Like that's not the intent of a sport. That's not the intent of competition. You know, God,
0: God bless sister. God bless. Because <laughs> I think that so many people look at it as, you know, you're getting paid to do a job. Right? And, and we, we look at the people who are getting paid well and, and whether it's it's the CFO, CEO, president, whatever and, and we look at these all stars playing the, these you know big sports getting paid big money, and we think that the two are equivalent, right We would think that it's all business yeah there, there there's definitely intensity when we're playing. that's why you're, you're getting paid the big bucks because you, you need intensity and you need to be able to perform. Got it, but in between all that. You know, even the CEO uh, goes to the bathroom every day and takes time for lunch or dinner, right? And yeah. and we're not going over craft, graphs and charts during that thing. We're having some fun, right? And and I think that that a lot of people just don't understand that they can't conceptualize the fact that a pro would actually be laughing and giggling and having a good time, um, because that's just not what you do. You're a pro, right? And and when you try to bring that back in terms of insight to, you know, the novice level coach, um, you can, you can literally see in their face, like, Oh, I yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't, mean, oh,
1: I, yeah. And I, you know, I, th- again, it goes to the culture in North America is it's all about winning, you know, like if yeah. you're not number one, you're number two and no one, no one knows, but like you have, you, I think you brought up the word development earlier, like, it takes a long time to develop being good at something.
2: Yeah. So like
1: why put pressure and you don't evaluate a 10 year old, the you know, at, on the same things that you evaluate a pro player on. So like let kids play, let people learn, have success, have failures. So like heaven forbid, somebody has a failure, or, you know, like heaven forbid, um, let people win, lose, learn grow but again it doesn't it it can't be rigid it needs to be more exploration at the youth level in my opinion um so that kids don't burn out like kids drop out of all sports nowadays at a very much higher rate than they did when I was growing up you know or players specialize earlier nowadays than when I was growing up and it's like it doesn't, there's no one blueprint, you know, for what makes greatness. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of windy roads, people that are resilient and players that have grit and determination and heart and put in hard work. A lot of times those are the players that are most successful versus the ones that have the most talent at 14, you know, so I don't know. It's, I could talk for hours on this and I'm not, I'm not an expert. Again, it's only my opinion, but.
0: No, you're great. And, and, and I, I think expert lies in, in experience I think expert lies in, in being able to see what's worked and what's not worked. And, and I think expert lies in, in, in truly being able to say that you, you got your hands dirty and you stuck them in the mud and you actually felt it, smelt it and, and potentially tasted it. That's what makes you an expert in anything, in my opinion. And 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 when I hear you talk, right? Some of the, the pearls that you're dropping very subtly, um, you're saying things like, "Let them fail," you know, "Let them experience." Let Let's not, you know, over pressure them. And and you mentioned something that's a very very accurate uh, statement, and that there's a lot of kids who are quitting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, in my opinion, for some of them, some of them, they're quitting for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. But I would ask you in your experiences, again, going from under eights to now under whatever, 38s, so whatever you may have on your team, um, why do you think kids are quitting? And what have you seen as maybe some of the reasons that would make your head shake that this kid quit?
1: Um, I think that. In my experience is um, I've seen a lot of high school age players um, do all the right thing all the right things to try to get to college to play college soccer and then they get to that age and they're burnt out.
2: Mm. So,
1: which is to me very sad because how can you be burnt out on something when you're just 18? So to me that means somewhere along the way there was too much of something or it was too pressure filled and it wasn't fun. You know, why do you, why do people burn out? You burn out because you're not enjoying it anymore and it's a slog and all of that. So, um, yeah, I think that again, it, it also goes back to, I'm of a little bit different generation in soccer. I didn't start playing soccer till I was 12 and it, oh. And right, the whoa, like nowadays, if a kid didn't start playing soccer until they were 12, there would be, they would be like, oh, you're so far behind, there's no way you're ever gonna be good. And it's like, I didn't start till I was 12 because I was busy playing other sports. I was figure skating, I was playing girls hockey. I was, you know, like I was playing peewee baseball with the boys, I was, I was playing golf. Like I was experiencing all the sports and I continued to experience multiple sports growing up and you know like I have I run like I do I have interest in a lot of sports and I think that's helped me along the way and I think our society again is inputting specialization on children nowadays versus you know when I grew up was multi-sport athletes that's what you were you were a multi-sport athlete and nowadays if you are a multi-sport athlete you're kind of an anomaly and you know, when you hear very, very famous athletes of all sports talk, they talk about you know playing a lot of sports and you know picking the one that spoke to them the most and just practicing because they wanted to practice, not because it was on the calendar and it was scheduled. So, um, you know, I think getting back to back in the good old days, but yeah. like we need we need to, and maybe this whole like coronavirus stop, pause is going to cause coaches and sports organizations to reflect a little bit and say, you know what, like, maybe we need to rethink what we're doing, you know, like let's, let's fix or let's take a look and analyze these paths that we're, we're, we're on. Are they the right paths? Do we need to adjust? Do we need to take a left turn? Do we need to, you know, break off on another path or do some, you know, look at things a different way. So, well, again, these are my opinions only. I'm not talking well, but, from, from SD loyal right now, but. Um, but, yeah.
0: here, but here's where, I, where where I think again, like you're dropping these little little golden nuggets here of, of insight, and 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 you say it in, in such a truthful and honest way, that that I believe a layperson would would just look at it as a leaf blowing by, right, and and and, and acknowledging it for what it is. But what you're saying very subtly that a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot of elite level coaches, elite level players, trainers are all saying is the the power of the athlete rests in multi sport development. And and you know in, in in coaching classes again, right? My my specialization um, has been that of hockey. I will bring to light. You know, have you guys ever gone behind the scenes or watched behind the scenes? Uh, TV shows, documentaries, um, even wandered through the hallways and potentially seen at a stadium athletes before a big game. and you'll get nods in the heads and whatever and you know in, in hockey for example, I'll say like your sport, you could have a 26 guy roster and all the guys get ready for warm and easy five different countries are represented on every roster. So you're watching these guys in, in, in their underwear before a game. And what are they doing? They're not stick handling. They're not practicing their shot. They're not um, doing anything that revolves much of that of the game besides maybe some visualization um, and, and mental preparation, maybe watching video music, whatever. What do you see them doing actively? They're playing soccer. They're playing ping pong. Mm-hmm. They're playing basketball. And it's actually kind of funny to watch the hockey guys with some of this stuff because they're brutal and, 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 but they're having fun. Right. But then all of a sudden you'll see a guy juggling a ball, Mm -hmm. a guy doing something crazy with ping pong, right? Like, Oh my God. Right. And what are you looking at? You're looking at an amazing athlete, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: like an amazing athlete. And again, I come back to TV coverage, right? Like I, I wish that we had even better TV coverage in hockey because People who are watching, who might not be fans, have no clue that that pass that that guy received, it's coming at him at Mach 5 and it's about four inches off the ground. He's, it's not just sliding along the ground like a curling rock. This thing is coming at him at Mach 5 through three different sets of legs and, and it's coming from 85 feet away, right? And he's got a trap leg, just like a guy receiving a ball in soccer, watching a skid off of wet grass you don't really get the true concept of what's going on on the field of play. Like that, you don't get the true concept of the development of that athlete.
1: Mm -hmm. They're not
0: just working on dribbling or shooting the ball. They're playing other sports that are working on reading and reacting, Mm -hmm. head fake, um, creativity. You know, one of the things that makes me just laugh, with sports is you know we have so many people who are worried about the watch time and everything's so structured all the kid knows is Mm structure. heaven forbid we catch that kid in the corner juggling a ball while everyone else is listening to tactics and x's and o's that kid is ridiculed for being what creative
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right and then with a minute left and we're down by one You'll see coach do the chalk talk and, you know, we're going to do XO to X1. And all of a sudden, when that doesn't work out, what do we hear these coaches say? And if that doesn't work, get creative. But well, what the hell's creative? Yeah. Okay, creative is all the stuff I got in the shit for that I do in practice. Yeah. All the stuff we're not allowed to do, all the stuff we didn't have time to do. And now when the season is on the line, what are you saying?
1: Yeah. Get creative. Oh, awesome.
0: That's great coaching.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely know here where you're going with that. As far as the multi-sport goes, um, you know, just looking back at at my own athletic journey, um, part of the reason I think I picked, I, like I got asked to go play on a soccer team just because they needed an extra player. I'd never played the game. I was 12, but i had played sports. I'd played hockey. So like I knew small numbers, 2v1s, 2v2s, 3v2s. Like I could figure out how to play. And I knew the structure of the game without even really knowing the structure of the game. So like I picked up soccer very quickly because I had played other sports, you know, growing up. I had, I could move my body somewhat gracefully because i grew up figure skating and i knew how to fall and i knew how to jump and i knew how to land and i knew how to you know like i i knew what was going on around me so like i could adapt lessons from other sports very quickly and so you know that that's part of the reason that you know i was able to pick it up at at a certain age and and i think um Yeah. I mean, I think there's that creativity that you speak of. If you look at, it could be any sport. Um, I saw, I was thinking about, you know, people say, talked about how creative Michael Jordan was, you know, like how creative Allen Iverson was, LeBron, all, you know, all of these creative basketball people. Well, my guess is they got creative because they were on, until the street lights were on playing street ball, which is how a lot of soccer players get their creativity from playing pickup soccer and futsal, which we don't really allow that much within the soccer, youth soccer structures, and now they're starting to encourage it more, but you know, learning learning success and failure on your own and what works and doesn't work. I mean, I know as a coach, like I've coached really creative players and I've always tried my best. I haven't always been successful, but I've tried my best to allow that player to just use their creativity. Hey, if you're an attacking player, when you're in that final third, one V one, if you feel that you want to go to goal, freaking go to goal. Like we have a structure, but like those creative players need to be encouraged, not necessarily discouraged. And, you know, and that's the thing to tie it back to SD Loyal is, you know, Landon was a creative player. Like no, so there were times you didn't know if he was going to shoot or pass or shoot with his right foot or his left foot or continue to dribble. And so like he is very creative and, and you know, he, he creates this atmosphere of, yeah, we have structure and we, we have our, our team principles, but we also want and encourage players to work on their own we're there to help them if they want to work on something that's not led by us, but supported by us. And, you know, we want our players to be creative. We want, we have fun in training. Like you mentioned, we play soccer, tennis, we played volleyball the other day just for fun. Cause we are like, Hey, we need to do something different. Like, let's go play volleyball. And ironically, the, the day that we had to stop training, we were going to have a, a soccer, or we were going to have a SD loyal team Olympics where we were just going to play kickball. We were going like we to do all these crazy sports as a practice because we had just traveled and we were coming back and needed to do a recovery day. And I was bummed because I was going to be in charge of the Olympics and we didn't get to do it, but we're going to do it. <laughs> but, you know, it's like
2: awesome.
1: you, can tr- awesome. you can train and be at practice and do something a little wacky sometimes and still get something out of it um, well, you
0: know, I'll, I'll tell you within I-
1: the structure of your training.
0: I'll tell you a funny story, which I think it, it falls right in the line with what you're saying. Um, many years ago, uh, my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs um, were, were where we know them to usually be, until a few years ago, in last place. And we had a great coach, who you know, it's one of the major cities that that it's a very very difficult city to be a head coach in. Um, because you're constantly ridiculed. It's like being a, a soccer coach in Italy or, or England or anywhere else in Europe. right? You, you're, you've got a million critics and everyone in the stands, including your mom, could be the coach. And, and this poor guy was just getting absolutely pummeled every week. Ron Wilson is his name. And he did something that was so amazing, I thought. And, and, and he, he took a thrashing for this. But the media was all over him because of the fact that things did not look creative. Things didn't look like um, the team was getting better. And and the team was a very young team at the time when he was there, and there was a lot of guys that had a lot of pressure on them expected to perform in the whole nine yards. And the media was all over everybody, and he decided that he was gonna tell them, you know what, I think you all need to come to our practice on Tuesday. You got a big game on Wednesday, but you need to come to Tuesday's practice because we're gonna be doing something that's never been done before. We're gonna be working on something new, innovative, creative, and it's going to make us a more amazing team for Wednesday's game. So, if you really care, if you really want to be there, show up and you'll see what we're doing, right? So, all of a sudden, the place is packed with media for practice. And even the players are like kind of freaked out because, like, there's a lot more people here than usual, right? right. So the guys were skating around and warming up for a little bit, and all of a sudden, about five minutes into the little warm-up, one of the assistant coaches looks at the other assistant coach, and all of a sudden, all the pucks are off the ice. And, And one of the coaches blows the whistle, and all the guys come on over. And you see all the players taking all their sticks and putting their sticks into the benches. And all of a sudden, they're taking their gloves off, and all their gloves are on top of the benches. Well, the other assistant coach bends over the boards and pulls out four squish balls. And they divide the team in half, one side, half on the other. And for a little over an hour, the guys played dodgeball on the ice. And the media lost their mind like Mm -hmm. lost their mind right like you promised us that something big was gonna happen right you told us right we all came here and we watched these guys for like 45 minutes to an hour play dodgeball and the guys were laughing and they were joking and they were doing all these crazy things and even people in the media were like oh my god look at that guy jump who knew someone could jump that high with skates on right right and and it just goes to show right like like you gotta have fun you gotta think outside yeah. the box and you gotta let them be athletes. And you also gotta find creative ways to take the pressure off. So so I wanna to segue into my last thing here with you because I know I could take you a hostage for days and days. <laughs> but I really wanna tap into the thing that we always talk about, um, and, and the thing that headset does, and that that's talk about the mental side of the game, right? And, and I guess my big question for you is, is what are some of the challenges for you as a, as a coach dealing with athletes that are from all around the world and you're at a professional level? What are some of the things that you find uh, that you guys are implementing to help the athletes get their headset set to play? Do you, do you work with them in a group? Do you work with them one-on-one? What are some of the things that you even implement to help some of these athletes at this elite level prepare?
1: Yeah. Um- I think we're still growing in that um, space um, for probably the biggest reason is we we basically had to put a team on the field in six months. Wow. And we, like, yeah, we announced in June of 2019 and basically started preseason January 20th. So there were so many moving pieces. Um, what, what we've tried to do um, – you know, in the, in the short time that we've had is, we have individual meetings with all the players and talk about, you know, get to know them, talk about why they're here, what their goals are, different things like that. We created a leadership council of like veteran players to check in with, to, you know, who can like report back to us of, you know, how's the team feeling how, you know, do we need to ease off on this? Do we need to do more of this? And so, um, yeah, I mean, and we have the other day the staff met and we we talked about like performance plans for the players and what each player needs to do to improve um, and what who, what which staff member is responsible for that and you know how we can help each player grow not only as a player but you know there's some players that are really open and really connected already and there's some players that are quieter so we're trying to you know figure out like okay which staff member does this particular player connect with more or better or quicker or feels more comfortable speaking to you know the staff member because you know coaches you develop we love all of our players but you develop different relation relationships with players in different ways you know for instance we have a player on our team who went to Michigan. So like he and I have that, that Michigan bond. And, you know, we, we, we can joke, we have inside jokes about, you know, our times at, at Michigan, obviously he was there way, way after me, but, you know, there's little things like that that just can connect you with players. Um, you know, Landon played with one of our players at, at the galaxy. So like he has a, a different connection yeah. with, with one of our players who actually he shared a field with and, you know, we have players that have played against Landon. Who, you know, there's all these different like webs throughout the team, and and um, we also have tried to do a good job of making sure they're taken care of off the field. So our team manager um, Lizzie has done a phenomenal job checking in with the players, like you know making sure their housing's okay, making sure you know the the players from out of town have, can have set up bank accounts and. So we try to put um, things around them so that they feel comfortable. If they need something, if they need to reach out, you know, if they need to talk about something, um, and you know, we can do it. We can definitely grow and do a better job. But those are some of the things that that we've been able to focus on in, in the short term. And and I think the the biggest thing, um, one of our core values, is compassion um, and gratitude. So That's not really, usually when you think of a sports team, like compassion really isn't usually a core value, but that's, that's something that, you know, Landon feels really, really strongly about is having compassion for other people, for other situations, um, and that. So I, I think that we're trying to show the players that it's okay to struggle, like it's okay to Be happy, be sad. Maybe you might get depressed sometimes. Like, it's okay, and it's okay to be vulnerable. And I think that's especially hard for, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but for many men, it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to say, hey, coach, I'm struggling, or hey, I miss home, or whatever the case may be. So we try to do that from the top down, and, and Landon's very open with the players and compassionate and, you know, the tell us about yourself Tuesdays have, have helped us, you know, get to know each other. And like when we did it, I was the first one to go so that they felt, and I shared a lot about my background and my struggles and, you know, getting fired from one job and having to work at UPS because I got fired and I couldn't find a job. And so, you know, showing and modeling behaviors that allow players to feel comfortable opening up. So.
0: I, I, Again, this is the reason why I could talk to you every single day for at least, oh, I don't know, eight hours. <laughs> um, because, again, the pearls that you share, um, once again, show what an amazing person you are and an amazing coach I'm sure you are. Um, Thank you. Because of that, because of that humbleness. But what, one of the things that you, you shed light on, um, and, and again, there's a couple that I really want to bring to light here, is, is you talk about goal setting. And, and what that tells me is that you're working with every athlete individual
2: mm-hmm. and,
0: and you're showing the compassion because you're wrapping that around care, right? You, 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 you can be compassionate about something, but unless you follow through and provide that care, it's just an, oh, well, as you drive past the freeway, right? You know, how many yeah. times do you feel for the person with the flat tire, but, you know, we don't really ever pull over to fix that tire and help them, right? You guys are doing that. You're making sure that guys have bank accounts, that they're, they're feeling okay. Uh, you're, you're showing not only compassion, but care because of the fact that someone can't speak English, right? So that that's a huge, huge credit to your organization, your leadership. I've also heard an amazing thing about your organization, um, that you guys are continuing to take care of the players um, like financially through this time. I mean, oh, mm-hmm. my God what amazing leadership ownership. I mean, Oh my God, God bless the people that are behind the scenes that are making this team happen. They're incredible people. Yeah. Um, you know, there, really a
1: great organization. For sure.
0: Oh, Phenomenal phenomenal. And, and when you, when you take the time to make things individualized and wrap that care around the compassion, that's when I think you're making a huge difference. That's when I think you're really making that bond, that, that link with every single player, because you know that they are cared for, right? They matter. They're, they're not a number, they're mm-hmm. a person. But I also think it's fantastic that you're individualizing things for each athlete to show them that, you know what, we're gonna create a different level of success for you. You mm-hmm. know, this year success for you is going to be doing A, B, C, and D, getting it from this right. point, right? And that, that's another level of care and compassion, I believe. Because yeah. you're giving them smart goals, right? And, and one of the things we know with smart goals is that yeah. they're specific, measurable, attainable, they're realistic to the moment, and they're timely. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. that's what breeds that excitement. That's what breeds that, that that level of competition that's coming out of the guy, yeah. um, coming out of that athlete, right? And, and it's also giving them a chance to be resilient and successful at the same time because they're – they're chasing something that's just above their yeah. nose and, and they're now able to grab it. And yeah.
1: that's,
0: that, that's care
1: because yeah. you're
0: getting to know that person.
1: Yeah. Uh, we we also did, I mean, most teams probably do this, but we also did, you know, team goals and we didn't set the team goals. Like we set up the structure and we made the players agree to smart goals. So we have like, it's on my notebook. <laughs> on my notebook so that I look at it every day. We know what our team goals are yes. that the players came up with and you know they're all we had to we had to help them figure out how to measure some of them or or you know twist the goals into things that we could measure just um but you know we got all the players agreed bought into it you know we talked about it can't just be on the field. You have to make sure that your behaviors off the field also help set you up for your goal attainment. Um, you know, if you're not getting sleep, if you're eating too much or not eating the right things, you know, all of that factors in to what you want to accomplish. And if you're not doing that, then that's on you. We can only help them so much. They have to exhibit the behaviors, um, in order to attain their goals otherwise they're not going to reach their goals and, right
0: right uh, and, and and what's really good about that is not only are you giving them a plan you're giving them guidance right I, I can't I can't tell you how many coaches think that they're giving uh, pearls of wisdom when really they're giving them rocks of confusion uh, I, I remember a million years ago I can tell you this this uh, stupid story that I had a coach who um he had a, a, an older daughter, and his daughter would come to games to watch us play. And um, all the guys at, at our age at the time, I was like 13, 14 at the time, were all enamored with the girls at that time. And they would come, and we would like buzz around oh my God, oh my God, coach's daughter is here. And oh my God, oh my God. And I'll never forget this scenario where uh, one time uh, as a goalie, I, I went to stop the puck behind the net and I, I almost missed the puck. And then when I went to go play the puck, I passed the puck to someone from the other team. And uh, as I was doing that, I couldn't help but notice the coach's daughter and all of her friends in the stands. And then all of a sudden, the guy basically scores into an open net and the coach loses it. And the coach basically uh, pulled me from the game. And he came to the bench with my head in shame. And he said to me, do you know why I'm pulling you? And... Um, I just kind of looked and he said well if you don't know then sit down because you obviously shouldn't be here and in my mind I was thinking okay well um I, I missed stopping it behind the net and then when I did get it I passed to the wrong team Then I was out of position and then they actually received the pass from me which resulted in a goal being scored on our net and you might have caught me staring at your daughter and her friends which one did you get me for <laughs> right so you know, I made six mistakes in one play. Which one did you get me for? Right? And and again, that's a hundred years ago, and we know a lot more today. But what you guys are doing is, I believe that you guys are creating that recipe for success. You're not only showing the compassion and the care, which is one of your some of your core values, but you're also explaining to your athletes, this is where you are, this is where we know you can get to, and this is how. We're
2: right. Gonna,
0: right. Like, I, I'm a big fan of this guy by the name of Simon Sinek and he has he, mm-hmm. an incredible career on, on explaining why, right? right? I think why is a huge thing that needs to be implored more when we're coaching today's kid, today's athlete, whatever it may be. Um, because a lot of kids are, a lot of athletes are, are global learners. They need to know the history of everything to get buy-in. But with that said, you can why it up all you want if you don't explain effectively how now you're just creating more frustration because i know why this is so important and i know why you want me to do this but if i don't know how to do this right? right you're basically telling me to cook sauce and i have no pot <laughs> and i have no pan <laughs> and i have no idea how to cut up the ingredients right like it ain't All gonna right. get made so so you explain the how you can be successful how you can get support from us how you're going to get more playing time how you're going to get more accolades this is how i think it's brilliant it's brilliant <laughs> it's brilliant yeah and because a lot of because a lot of coaches when we get to those elite levels they just assume that you know right and, and, well
1: i mean the bottom line is we can all continue to grow. Like as coaches, I'm learning stuff every day still, like we're all learning from each other. And so like the players can continue to grow. They can learn from each other just as much as they can learn from us. We can learn from them. Um, You know, looking and being learning about different things and learning different ways or analyzing yourself and, you know, none of us are perfect, and we can change a lot about. I know I can change a lot about myself, and and you know, so we we try to just again. It goes back to helping helping good humans get better.
0: God bless you. At
1: the, at the very end of the day.
0: So. God bless you. So hey,
1: for- I. I you think know, I need to go to yeah, another me
0: too. Me too.
1: another thing. But with
0: that, with you. that said, I wanna thank you so much for coming on board and thank you. Yeah,
1: for- no problem.
0: And I so look forward to talking to you again and getting you involved with this again. So thank you. Yeah,
1: sounds great. Thank you so much, you so much you for away. having me on.
0: And make sure people that were following the Loyal at uh, San Diego Loyal on Instagram and San Diego Loyal on Twitter. So yep.
1: Go Thank loyal. you so much. Go, go loyal, loyal and go blue.
0: <laughs> a girl. All right. Have
1: to get in the Michigan plug. Here Absolutely. Go. Here
0: you go. Here we go.
1: All right.
0: Go team. Talk Thanks, to you soon.
1: Jason. Bye. Good to talk to you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.